Yeah, so we are in a series on uh, the real God, and I want to encourage you, if uh, you didn't grab a bulletin, there are a few left on the back there, but in the bulletin is an outline, um, and, and we're going to be working through this outline, so please make sure you grab one. Um, feel free to run and grab one right now. Yeah, just pass them out. Thanks, Michelle. Um, I just want to encourage... Kevin, you want this one? All right. Okay. But um, we, we're talking about the real God, and, and this, the, the whole idea is that and we come and we worship God, but do we know God? Do we know, do we know God intimately? Do we know all of God? Do we know um, all of His characteristics and His attributes? And, and I, and I want to encourage you, the best way of knowing God is knowing Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, if you read the Gospels... The, the clearest picture that we have of God, the, 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 the most full, clear picture is Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, spend time in the Gospels. If you're like, what is God like? Jesus Christ is the, the best representation. Jesus Christ is God, and He's the best image, He's the best picture of God, okay? So if you want to know God, go and read the Gospels, and then you know, read the rest of the book as well, okay? Um, but we have been studying God's attributes. And so basically what we're doing is systematically just looking at some of the characteristics or attributes of God and, and just looking at one and kind of unpacking it. Now, the temptation with this is um, whenever you do kind of systematic theology is what it's called, is sometimes it feels like some of these attributes are in tension with each other. Um, and some of the systematic theology textbooks will actually kind of present it in that way um, not that they are intention, but kind of look at God's nearness and then God's like omnipotence, His, his almost distance, um, or maybe God's wrath. And last week we looked at God's justice, and this week we're looking at God's love. And, and it, it'd be tempting to kind of think that, hang on, you know, is God, does God have wrath or does He have love? You know, is it one or the other? Or I think it's both. And I think what we want to understand is, as we look at God's attributes, is that they're not in tension, they're not in competition with each other. It's not like if God is fully loving, then He can have no wrath. Or if God is expressing His wrath, He's not loving. And so as we speak about God's love, I, I don't want you to think that God's love cancels out any of His other attributes, His justice, or, or anything like that. So um, they, they all work together. So we've been looking at, we looked, um, we kind of introed the series and we looked at God's goodness, we looked at God's sovereignty, we looked at God's holiness, we looked at God's wisdom. Last week, Jason looked at the justice of God, and then this week, we're going to look at God's love, okay? And so, yeah, these, these attributes all work together. So, let's talk about love a little bit, okay? Uh, I know Valentine's Day was just, you know, recent here, but, but let's think about love. Um, would you say, imagine this morning when you woke up, yeah, you know, you're an hour later because of daylight savings, but, but imagine, and hopefully no one shows up here in like 20 minutes' time, they can come in, but, but um, imagine that today everyone all across the world woke up and their, their kind of love measure, you know, the amount of love that they usually have was doubled. In every single one of us, our love was doubled. Wouldn't that be good? I mean, that would, what would that be like? Wow. Yeah, what would it be like? Yeah, yeah. Folks would be much more friendly. Traffic would flow much better. 
I mean, imagine family life. I mean, family life would just be like, your kids would be loving, you would be loving. It would just be like amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, family life would be different. Work life would be different. Imagine you go to work tomorrow morning and yeah, they got it as well. And everyone is just loving and like, wow. I mean, think about politics. Politics would be different. Government would be different. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, no more grounding your child. You know, if, good call there. Did you get grounded recently? You got grounded from video games. Just call it Lent, buddy. It's good. <laughs> Okay, we won't go there. But, um, I mean, the world would be different, wouldn't it? And so, so I think if, if, we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we would say that there's probably a deficiency of love. Because we, we all, like, think that it would be great if there was more love. And so there's a, a, a need. You can put up the slide. There's a universal need. Uh, we are all looking for more love. We're all looking for love. And, and think about it. We... And you've heard the song, you know, looking for love, and, and what do people do looking for love, you know? Some of the things they do, some of the jobs they take, some of the, the ways they change their appearance, um, some of the crazy things we do looking for love. Priscilla, we heard that uh, you've been grounding your kids. Okay. All right. But um, we, we're all, there is a need out there. I, I don't think anyone would disagree with me if we say there is a need for love in this world, all across the world, in, in America, in Africa, in, in every part of the world, there is a huge uh, need for love, okay? There's definitely a shortage of love. And so, yeah, but there's another, there's another fact that's true. Um, there is a universal solution. Uh, we are loved by God. And so on one hand, you've got this need for love, and on the other side, you've got this, this massive amount of love that is available to all of us, um, that God loves us, that we are loved by God, and He's wanting to pour out His love on us. And so we have both of those things are true, and so we end up with this, this issue in the middle. Um, there's this tragic disconnect between the love that we desire and the love that we need and the love that we want and the love that God has for us, the love that God desires to give us and pour out, um, I think there's this tragic disconnect. And so what happens is we start trying to make it work on our own. We try, um, we try to figure it out on our own. It's like we disconnect it to the source. It's, it's like if you you know, a cold winter's day, you like, you know, your furnace wasn't working, so you went and bought a heater, and, and you, you did everything that you should do to a heater, except you didn't plug it in. And so you kind of put it in the room, and you try to get the fan to turn, and, and you rubbed it to make it warm, and you did all the stuff to like, you know, make some heat. But you didn't connect it. You didn't connect it to the source of power. And so I think sometimes our lives are like that. We need love. There's the source of love but we're trying to do it on our own. There's this disconnect. We're unplugged from the source. Um, we're not connected. And so, yeah, I think there is, there is a disconnect. And there's a number of reasons for that disconnect. 
Um, I think there are definitely some people who don't know about God's love. Um, there, there's this knowing, receiving, and experiencing. Folks who don't know that God loves them. Um, folks who've never heard the message that God loves them. I think there's also folks who maybe intellectually know that God loves them, but they've never received it. They know there's a gift there, but they've never taken the gift and opened it up and received it. And I think then there, are, and, and maybe this is where some of us could be, we know God's love, we've received God's love, but we don't always experience God's love. Maybe because of just the things that we do ourselves, trying to kind of satisfy our own need for love, we don't always experience God's love. We, we, we know about it, and we've received it, and we've experienced it in the past, but we don't always live in that, like, right now experiencing God's love. Um, maybe we're afraid to experience God's love, or we've, or we've forgotten what it's like. I want to read something from uh, Henry Nowen, and, and I want to encourage you, if you, if you can spend some time reading Henry Nowen, um, it, it's a slow read. Any of his stuff makes you really think. But I want you to think about this, this whole reason of why we're not connected, why, why we're not experiencing God's love. And so Henry Nowen says, success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often comes from the way they are part of a much larger temptation, the temptation of self-rejection. When we've come to believe in the voices that call us worthless, unlovable, when we have these voices that say you're not worthy, when we carry in our hearts the shame and guilt and a sense that we are unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions. The real trap, however, is self-rejection. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that God calls us the beloved. Self-rejection contradicts the truth that we are loved by God. You see, what we're doing is we're, we're disagreeing with God and we're saying, I am not able to be loved. I am unlovable. I am not worthy. And, and, and there's heaps of reasons why we do this. But God's word is, you are loved, you are mine, you belong to me. And so what we do is, is we have these two competing voices and we try and, and kind of maybe hide in chasing our own stuff, chasing power, success, fame trying to figure it out on our own. <coughs> There's always a temptation um, to move away from God's love. And, and I think that temptation is, is the enemy's greatest weapon. I mean, think about it. You go back to the Garden of Eden, and, and what was the temptation to Adam and Eve? eating the fruit, but the, but the temptation behind that was, God doesn't love you. He's holding out on you. He's, he's holding back. There, there's some, something He hasn't given you. And so, the temptation there is that God doesn't love you, that God's not for you. 
And I think it's the same temptation that's, that's repeated over and over and over again. And when we come to Jesus Christ, after he's been fasting in the wilderness for 40 days, Satan comes to him, and the temptation is similar. The temptation is, hey, uh, God doesn't care for you. You know, if, if God really cared for you, he'd give you food. So do a miracle and turn this rock into bread. Hey, if, if God really cares for you, he'll protect you. And that, that temptation is that, that God doesn't really love you, that you've done something that kind of is blocking God's love, that has disconnected you from God's love. And so the, the point of my message this morning is for you to leave here knowing that you are loved by God. You're loved by God. And I know there's a lot of barriers. Even in my own life, I, I think about the stuff. There are times where I where I struggle to, I know it in my head. I know that I'm loved by God. I've, I've read the Scripture. I know the Scriptures that say that I'm loved by God, and I believe them. But there are times where my experience doesn't agree with what I know. Um, and so we're going to just unpack God's love here. Um, and I, I want to start with a definition. Um, and so just so that you know, this definition uh, comes from the series uh, that took Chip Ingram wrote, and so we're, we're kind of following that. It's in your outlines, um, and, and let's just read this definition. God's love is His holy disposition toward all that He has created that compels Him to express unconditional affection and selective correction. Whoa. All right. That, that was auto... Uh, that was autocorrect there that uh, changes that. His selective correction. <laughs> Can we just go in there and change it right now? Because <laughs> that's going to mess with us. <laughs> okay. My notes say selective correction. It's right in the bulletin. Read it in the bulletin, okay? Um, that was my bad, Karen. Um, but yeah. His unconditional affection and selective correction to provide the highest and best quality of existence, both now and forevermore, forever, for the objects of His love. Okay, so look at that. Awesome. Thank you very much. You guys rock. His correction, selective correction. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit. God's love is His holy disposition. Remember, we spoke about God's holiness, and, and His holiness means that He is other than us. He is He's separate from us. He doesn't think like we do. He, like, God doesn't have to do Valentine's Day because God, God's love is, is complete. It's true, and it's, it's full, okay? He doesn't have to wait till once a year to be nice, okay? Um, that's what we shouldn't be doing. But, but God's love is His holy, His whole, um, and His disposition. That's His attitude. That's the way he, He's directed towards us. Um, that's, that's how He thinks and He feels towards us. And, and he, he is loving towards all that He has created. Every single creation of His. Every single human being who is created in His image. And folks, we're all created in His image. So God's love is displayed to each and every one of us. You might be going like, well, hang on. What about you know, those unbelievers out there? What about those really bad people out there? Does God love them? Yes. He loves them. Do they love God? Maybe not. 
and, and that's between them and God. But, but God's love is for every single person. It is not limited. It is not like, okay, just the believers get His love and the other folks, sorry, you're toast. No, He loves every single one of us. And so He expresses His unconditional affection. It's free to every single one of us. There are no conditions. We do have to accept it. But, but He expresses His love unconditionally. Um, when it says affection there, do you believe that God is affectionate to you? Like, God, it's, it's not this love that is like just out there and it's this, just this heady thing that you have to know that God's love you, God loves you, but, but he, he expresses His affection. He would like to embrace you. He'd like to be near you. He'd like to shower His love on you in an affectionate way. Another part of God's love is His selective correction. Um, as parents, do we discipline our kids? Do we do it because we hate them? No. We correct our kids because we love them. But do we correct our kids every single time they do something wrong? Or do we kind of pick our battles a little bit? And, and maybe we allow our children to maybe do something that, that we know is going to hurt them so that they understand the consequences. And so the, I think in the same way, God, God corrects us, but there are times where He allows us to experience the consequences. He's not like, I think they call it helicopter parenting, where you're like there the whole time, you don't allow your kid to ever fall off the slide or anything. God gives us some space and some freedom to... Um, and so his, his correction is selective. And, and the, the desire that God has for us is to provide the highest and best quality of existence, of life, now and into eternity. Okay? And so, so that's a, a good definition of God's love. And so you have it in your outlines. Um, I want to encourage you to, to look at that. One of the kind of the key verses that, that many of us learn very early on in life, uh, John 3.16, you see it on you know, football players, you see it all over the world. But um, John 3.16 is a great, and we can put it up, um, it's a, it, it describes God's love. If you just, let's just read it and then just think about it, we'll unpack it briefly. For God so loved the world, and, and the world, okay, um, that He gave us His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal love. And so, so it, it kind of unpacks God's love here. God's love is giving, okay? God so loved the world that He gave. God's love is giving. He gave His only, once, His only Son. God's love is also sacrificial. He gave His Son as a sacrifice. He didn't just give His Son and say, hey, here's Jesus, look at Jesus' life, and all right, now we're going to take Him back to heaven. no. He gave His Son to die on the cross, to make a sacrifice for us. So God's love is sacrificial. God's love is also unconditional. It says God's love is for the whole world. God so loved the world, not just the believers, but the whole world. Something else about God's love, and, and it's not in John 3.16, it's, it's out of Ephesians. But God's love is boundless. It has no boundaries. It's boundless. It, it crosses over the boundaries. I want to read um, Ephesians 3, verse 14 onwards. It says, 
And I pray that you, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, in God's love, rooted and established in God's love, understanding, knowing God's love, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, that's Paul's desire, that, that the, the church in Ephesus would know God's love. How, just how wide and deep and, and just how amazing God's love is. And he says, I want you to know God's love. I want you to know God's love. And so there's another definition of love on your outline. It says, um, love is giving another person what they need most when they deserve it the least at the greatest personal cost. Isn't that a good definition? Love is giving another person what they need most when they deserve it the least at the greatest personal cost. I think that's God's, that's the definition of God sending His Son. When Jesus comes and we need salvation most, that's the thing we need most. Um, when we deserve it the least, when we are like, God, I don't want you in my life. You know, I'm going to do this on my own. But at great personal cost. Uh, Curtis. You, did you share? I, I, I just, I asked Curtis earlier, but I asked if I could share his story. And I thought it might be better if he just shared it real brief. This, we were just chatting this week, Tuesday morning, a group of us sitting in Curtis's garage. And um, we're just talking, and, and, and he shared an experience. And this is not about Curtis, okay? This is about, I think Curtis understands God's love and then was able to, to share God's love with someone. And, and love will rock your world, okay? It will really rock your world. So this is an opportunity that I had while I was in uh, jail just to show God's love. And um, one of the things that you look forward to the most in jail is food. Um, when mealtime comes, that's, like, that's what you look forward to in the day. And so um, I had someone come to me and say, man, I really feel bad for so-and-so over here. Um, this other guy, every mealtime, is going and taking whatever he wants off of his tray and just taking it and eating it. He's, he doesn't have the opportunity to, to fight back for it. He's a smaller, uh, younger gentleman. And so that night when I heard that, um, I just sat there and prayed, and I felt God leading me to the next morning. I woke up and got my breakfast tray, and I went and took my breakfast tray, and I gave it to the guy who had been taking the other guy's food. And I said, here, um, you can have this. I don't, I don't want this today. He said, are you sure? Are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm good. I went back to my room. Lunchtime came. I went and got my tray, and I took it to the guy who had been taking the other guy's food again. And he said, oh, Fry, come on, man. You need to eat. You, you got to eat. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You can, you can have it. And so then supper time rolled around, and um, I did the same thing. I went and I gave my tray to the guy who had been taking the other guy's food. And I said, here, I don't, I don't want this. You can have it. And he said, no, I don't, I don't want it either. I know why you're doing this, and I'll stop doing that. I'll stop doing that. And I said, well, then go and take that and give it to the guy who you've been taking his food. And I went to my cell and come to find out he did take the tray and go and give it to the other guy 
And so I had the opportunity after that then to share with the other guys. Guys would come in like, how'd you know that would work? How'd you know that would that, that, that would happen like that? And I was like, I didn't. I just, it was what God laid on my heart. And um, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Curtis. How did you know it would work? Um, I think that's... The that's often the question that we, we ask, you know, what'll work? You know, maybe if I go and beat the guy up and say, hey, if you steal that guy's food again, I'm going to, you know, pound you. I mean, that'll work, won't it? Yeah, right. Love. Love works. Love changes our hearts. Love changes the way we, we, we see people. I want to read that definition again. Love is giving another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least at the greatest personal cost. Folks, love is always costly. Love is not free. Love is always going to cost us. And love cost God dearly. It cost, love, it cost God dearly. And so God's love, what it means for us. And, and, and I want you just to, I'm going to read this, but I, I want you to just soak in this because this is what God's love means to you personally. I don't want you to think about someone else, about who you love, or, or your kids, or anyone. I want you to hear this and know that this is how God sees you and how God relates to you. God's love means that His thoughts and His intentions and His desires and plans for you are always good and never for your harm. God's love means He is kind and open and approachable and eager to be your friend. God's love means He emotionally identifies with your pain, your joy, your hopes, your dreams, and has chosen to allow your happiness to affect His own. God's love means He takes pleasure in you, just for who you are, totally apart from your performance or your accomplishments. God's love means that He is actively and creatively orchestrating people, circumstances, and events to express His affection and selective correction, to provide for your highest good. Folks, that's what God's love means. And, and, and you might be pushing back and going like, well, hang on, how does, how does my happiness, how does, how does how I'm doing affect God? And, and we've got to look at Jesus. Do you remember over and over again that Jesus was affected by people? Remember when Jesus sees Lazarus' family? I mean, was he just like the stoic, like, I am God, I don't feel anything? No. He, he, he weeps with Mary and Martha. He weeps with them, and, and he's moved and says his heart was moved. How about when Jesus is approaching Jerusalem? Um, he's about to give the ultimate sacrifice in terms of dying on the cross for us. And, and he comes to th this hill, and he overlooks Jerusalem, and he says he was moved. He was moved, and he starts weeping, and he says, I long to gather them like a, a hen would gather her, her chicks. I long to embrace them. I long to cover them. I long to protect them. It's like if you only knew, if you only knew what love looks like, if you only knew. So how does God reveal his love to us? How do we know, how do we know that he loves us? Like, like know, know that he loves us. Um, how does he express, how does he show his love for us? Well, we're going to go through a few, um, as we, this whole series, we've kind of been looking at it. First of all, creation. God reveals His love for us, to us, in creation. God makes us 
for himself. He, he creates us to be in relationship with us. And he created us, and, and when he does create us, he's, he looks at mankind, he looks at everything else and said, yeah, that's pretty good. But then he looks at us and he says, man, that is very good. He created us for himself. He creates us for intimacy and relationship with him. Secondly is God's providence, God's provision. God daily gives us more than what we need. And we have so much. Um, Matthew 5 verse 44 says, He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and He sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. He gives us snow. He gives us rain. He gives us so much. And sometimes we're not very grateful, are we? <laughs> um, Paul is in Athens, and he's, he's at Mars Hill, and he, and he looks, and they've got this uh, statue or this name, the unknown God. They're like, we're going to cover all the bases and make sure we, we worship, you know, all the, everyone. And, and he says, I want to tell you who this God is. And he says in, in Acts chapter 17, he says, the God who made this world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples made by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out the appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. For he is not far from any one of us. So God provides he, he gives, He marks out our territories, He, he provides a son, and, and he, he gives. And I don't know if, if, have you ever been just praying and asking God to show? I remember once, um, this is before I was married, and I was doing something um, probably not so bright. I was, I was in Africa, and I'd kind of spend all my money, and, and I needed to get to another country so I could get, out. they don't do banking there, okay? So I, I had a bank card, and I needed to get to this country, and, and so I'd I spent a few days walking and, and, you know, hitching rides, whatever, and I was on this road, and there's not a lot of traffic on this road, and I spent about three hours walking. Um, it's a great weight loss plan. I, I lost a lot, but um, over a number of days, and I remember just praying, and I was on this, on this gravel road in Africa, and um, I spent a lot of time with God in those three hours. And really just praying and crying out to him. I'm like, God, you've you got to help me. I'm not going to, I had a long way to walk. And uh, there wasn't a lot of traffic. And so uh, this, the first traffic I'd seen in three hours comes past, and it's this little 30-seater bus. And the guy kind of stops. And he says, do you have money? And I'm like, no. And he closes the door, and he keeps going. I only went about a few hundred yards, and he stopped. And uh, all the other folks on the bus were like, you can't leave this white kid out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and so, so... Um, he backs up, and I walk, and he's like, hey, get on. And, and, and so that was provision, but, but I went and sat next to a gentleman. A gentleman cleared some room on the seat, and um, I sat next to him, and we started a conversation. And, you know, in the conversation, he was just asking some questions and stuff like that. And then he opens his bag, and he's like, are you hungry? And, man, I was hungry. <laughs> I was hungry. And, and, he, and he shared his food with me. And I just, I remember just sitting there in this stinky, dusty bus, and just praising God for transportation and food. God provides. God's pr 
providence in our lives. And, and I, I, I hold on to that. I go back to that. When there's times where I'm going like, okay, God, are you going to come through? Are you going to provide? And I, and I go back to that road um, in Zambia. And uh, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. So um, God's providence, His provision. Know that He loves us through His provision. Another way that God expresses His love is through the incarnation. The incarnation is, is God showing up in the flesh, Jesus Christ, in the flesh, coming to show us what it looks like, what His love looks like. Uh, Luke 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. God Himself showed up to save us. He came from the beginning. The, the plan was the cross, okay? The cross was not like, oh, uh, change of plans. The plan from the beginning was the cross. God's, God Himself comes Jesus Christ, to save us through the cross and the resurrection. Another way that God reveals His love for us is through His discipline. And, and this is a hard one because we don't always like God's discipline. But as we said earlier, as parents, we discipline our kids. We discipline them because we love them. That's the only reason we, we, we discipline them. If you've ever seen, um, you know, not kids in this church, but like kids out there, they're just wild. I mean, just like kids that are like, I mean, wild and, and just off the rails, messed up. Their parents never disciplined them. And you look at their parents and, and there's no love there. There's no love. Their parents did not love them enough to discipline them. So when God disciplines us, yes, it might be hard. It may expose us and we may feel um, offended and hurt and we might get all twisted and bent out of shape. But know that God loves us. In the midst of discipline, He loves us enough to discipline us. Uh, Hebrews 12 says it this way. The writer of Hebrews asks, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones He loves, and He chastens everyone He accepts as His Son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their Father? It's children that are loved that are disciplined. Another way that uh, God reveals His love, that He shows His love to us, is His indwelling. God lives in us. God promised, before Jesus um, ascends, He promises the Holy Spirit, and He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live in you. And so, so God lives in us. He, pours, he supernaturally pours His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Um, Romans 5, 5 says, Because God's love has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. We have His love in us through the Holy Spirit. Last way that God reveals His love to us is, is through the person of Jesus Christ. And it's kind of like, okay, the incarnation, yeah, but, but think about Jesus Christ. Jesus models love for us. He shows us what love looks like. Um, he shows us what grace and compassion and truth looks like. When, when, he, when He's interacting with the woman at the well, 
Remember the woman who, I mean, a sinful, a woman with a sinful past, and he just, he loves her. When, when Peter um, denies him, Jesus afterwards, he comes to him and he just, he loves on Peter. How about Nicodemus? John 3. Go and read it. John 3. Nicodemus. Um, Lazarus. Another example of Jesus just pouring out. If you want to know what God's love looks like, look at Jesus Christ. Look what He does. Look how He interacts with people. Look how He weeps over Jerusalem. Jesus' teaching. I, I don't know, Curtis, if, if you would have done that if, if your dad hadn't taught you and, and if you hadn't maybe read um, what love really is. I mean, I don't think that's something we come up on our own, like, hey, I'm going to starve myself so some guy doesn't be, you know, steal someone else's food. I don't think we come up with that ourselves. We are taught that, and we are taught that by Jesus Christ. Um, the parable of the prodigal son. God loves us. This is how much God loves us. And He shows us how much He loves us. I, I love, if, if you're ever wondering if God loves you, go and read the, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, if we understand that the context of this, that the father runs out, to welcome this child who'd messed up, who'd, who'd wasted his inheritance, who'd been a, a really rotten kid, okay? The father runs out to embrace him, to welcome him, and to share his wealth again with him, even though he'd messed up. That's how much God loves us. Lastly, um, proof of God's love is, is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, God shows us, First uh, John, <clears throat> so, so John's epistles, First John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Okay, so how do we respond to God's love? Okay, what, what do we do? Um, so now we know, hopefully we know that God loves us and we, maybe we believe it, but, but how, do we, how do we do that? We have to receive God's love. We have to receive God's love by faith. Um, there might be times where you don't feel like you're lovable, where you don't feel that maybe God loves us. But folks, we have to receive it by faith. Um, John 1, verse 12, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. We are God's children. We have a Father who loves us, and we need to receive that. Um, we need to believe it as well, because, man, yeah, I don't know what your head is like, what, what traffic goes on up there, but, but there are times where I'm like, God, I, I don't always believe your love, and so I have to stand firm on the truths in Scripture. First um, John, again, the epistle of John uh, 4, verses 13 onwards, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. And um, on your outline, there's Romans 8, 38. Um, it's a great passage. If, if, you're not, if, if you're wondering, if you're questioning God's love, Romans 8, 38, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, 
nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not Satan, not any of his temptations, not his demons, not his battle and his warfare, not the government, not anything you've done. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So we can receive it. Know that you can receive God's love. Receive it. And then I think we're called to share it. We're called to share God's love. And I think Curtis's story there is just, if Curtis, Curtis didn't know that he was loved by God, I don't think he'd ever share his, his plague. I think when we know that we're loved, man, we have a freedom to go and share God's love. Because if we doubt that we're loved, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of like gather in love. We're trying to like just keep it for ourselves. It's kind of like the manna in the Old Testament. Like, okay, there's just enough for today. We're going to gather as much as possible. And God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you manna every single day. I'm going to keep giving you manna. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep providing for you. You don't have to store it up. You don't have to hoard it. You can actually share it because there's enough. And tomorrow, there'll be more. It's the same with love, folks. If we know that we are loved by God, we'll never run out by sharing it. Because maybe you think, well, if I'm going to share my love and give my love to this person, will I have enough love for tomorrow? Yes. We need to be sharing God's love. And so I want to encourage you to do that. First John, again, the epistle. First John is just all about love, okay? Uh, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but let us love with actions. Let us love in truth. I want to encourage you to share God's love. Um, sacrificially. It's going to cost you. But it's worth it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you showed us what love looks like. Lord, if we ever doubt your love, help us just go and spend time in the Gospels and see what great love you have for us. To see the way you taught love, the way you modeled love, and the way you sacrificed yourself so that we could know love, so that we could know you, that we could know our Father who loves us. Lord, maybe, maybe there's some of us out there that are, are, are prodigals, and we, we've tasted and we've known God's love, we've known what it's like to live in, in God's home, in His household, but, but we've chosen to go and do our own thing. We've chosen to maybe try and get love our own way. We've tried the world's ways, and we've exhausted ourselves in, in trying to fill ourselves with the world's love. Father, I pray that we as prodigal sons and daughters would return to you, return to your home, return to the place of your love, return to the embrace of your love. Father, I pray for, for anyone who is doubting your love, Father, that they would turn and, and just walk towards you and know that you come running towards us because you are love. It's your nature. It's who you are. 
So, Father God, thank you that you first loved us. And help us to love you, Lord, to follow the commands, to love you well, to love you with all of our heart. And then as we love you, to love those around us, to love our, our family, our spouses and our children, our parents, to love our neighborhoods, to love our co-workers and folks we go to school with. And Father, even to love our enemies, because you call us to do that. So Father, would you fill us to overflowing with your love, because you are love. Amen.